0: Palatelli, Aguero! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again! Gavin keeps it. Skin on goal, look at that pass! Hey goal
1: Goal! Columbus! Well things on here for the USA, can they do it here? Cross, and Dead denied tonight again! And Donovan has scored! Can you
0: believe this? Go, go, USA! This is the beautiful game. Oh, it's incredible! Described by two uglies. Stupendous. Welcome to Bone and Beam United. This is a thing of genius. Welcome in. Happy Soccer Podcast Day. I'm Bone. And I'm Beam. And hey, two weeks in a row. I don't know if this is like a no-hitter in baseball where we shouldn't talk about the fact that we're doing two podcasts back-to-back, but... Hey, look just, at us. Who would have thought... Not me. <laughs> Our special <laughs> guest on the podcast is Paul Rudd, and uh, hot sauce—is that what that's from? From the uh, hot ones, yeah, hot ones. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying he's—it's the hot sauce eating yes. YouTube channel. All right, coming up on the show, I'm not a youth like you, Beamer, so I don't know all the all the cool kids stuff. Coming up, we'll talk about uh, Arsenal giving the dreaded vote of confidence to Unai Emery. Mm. So we'll talk about that. We'll speak about a former Arsenal legend making his way back to Major League Soccer. Another legend at least in his own mind and around the world, leaves MLS and much more to get into, including a first for us on this show, a new segment, Mailbag Segment, yes. or I'm going to call it Bone and Beam Bag. How about that? That's pretty good. Yeah. Tweet Bag, the Twitter tweet, Bag. I like Tweet Bag. Anything with bag in it, really. Yeah, I agree. Bag's a good word. Yeah. I enjoy bag. The opposite of moist. I don't enjoy that word. Don't enjoy the word moist. No, moist is not good for me. But bag You know I really what word like I it. don't
1: enjoy? What's that?
0: Seepage. Seepage. It's a bad word for what me. What about
1: seep? Or seeping? No, I don't like those either. And seepage is seepage is the word. Seepage is the word for okay. me. Where
0: every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, yuck, that's nasty. Yes. Well, the way you feel about seepage is how I felt about Major League Soccer's MLS Cup. Watched that this weekend. I don't know if you got to check into that. It, here's the problem for most people. I was people. one of the I was one of the fifty percent of the downgrade from last year in ratings. Yeah, for MLS yeah. Cup. Well, and go figure. It was on NFL Sunday. A lot of fans, and I don't think this makes you a bad soccer fan if you happen to like other things than soccer. I wish we could all just like. I'm sure for a lot. I wish I had an. I wish I had a way to clone myself to like have my NFL self over here, my Major League Soccer and. Premier League and La Liga, you almost need one of those for each league of soccer and then all the other sports, too. But you're right. Divided attention kind of made this tough. I was a Ohio State basketball last Sunday, so I wasn't even so that, in a NFLing. That's I was, right. I was Buckeye hooping. You had uh, UMass Lowell.
1: That's right. Ugh. UMass Lowell. was doing the pregame show and then stayed and watched the game and did the postgame. So that's what I was paying most of my attention to. Yeah.
0: Well, there you go. I did watch this game, and congrats to Seattle on winning Major League Soccer, winning the league. I don't know why I keep saying Major League Soccer, MLS Cup. It's MLS Cup. Yeah, come on, Bone. Don't be stupid. Uh, and I would like to see no more Seattle winning, if that's okay. But I did have to root for Seattle over Toronto because I can't stand to watch Toronto win. I don't know why. I don't really like Seattle to win either, but how about this for Seattle? They've made the playoffs for 11 straight years. Woo! That's the longest active streak in MLS. Whoa! I mean, you like you might initially think, well, okay, probably everyone's doing it. No, they're the only ones. 11 straight years. Do you have the, the second longest on the list? I don't. I should have looked it up. That would be the Columbus crew this year moving no. forward for
1: the next 15 years. <laughs> if they're going to break that record. <laughs> right. 15, 15 straight MLS playoff appearances
0: mm. from here on out for the Columbus crew. You know, if I had to guess the longest streak, I'd have to go back and think about who's had a really... Like, who has had the most like awful years? That's a good question. Could it be Toronto, you think? No, because Toronto just had a like a terrible year a couple years, a couple like two years ago, right? Or last year? They're awful. They were awful not long ago. They suck. Yeah, they sucked. The Maple Leafs right. suck. The Raptors suck, <laughs> and their soccer team really yeah. sucked. Maybe it wasn't two years ago. Whatever. It's it, within. Yes. I'm less sorry. Than for throwing years. you under the bus. Like Screw this. Them. Oh no, no, no. You're okay. It's okay. Totally. Um, I I was trying to think of who else it might be. Like the Red Bulls. I want to say have made the playoffs a lot. I could see that they never win anything, but sure. they get to the playoffs all the time. So maybe they've got a pretty long streak. I don't know. Uh, But Brian Schmetzer, their coach, he's a Seattle native. Didn't know that, but that's cool. Nice for them. I kind of like how all the Major League Soccer teams are starting to try to go that way of, like, the crew now have sure. Tim, Timmy B, Tim Bespachenko, Pres as we like to call him yeah, here on this podcast. He's obviously Columbus native. And Caleb Porter, you know, has a lot of ties to the region of coaching yeah. in Ohio. Uh, and, of course, they just brought in Darlington Nagby, who... Is uh, was a resident of Lakewood, Ohio, before going to Akron and then, you know, going on to have a great career. Uh, but there are now six teams in MLS who have won multiple MLS Cups. Did you look at this ahead of time? Me? Yes. No. Okay. Can you guess any of the teams who have now won multiple MLS Cups? Multiple
1: MLS Cup champions. Well, Seattle is one of them because you just named them. There you go. Uh, and then I'm going to say the Chicago Fire. Only one once. Only one they won time. Ninety
0: eight. Okay. Well, it's bad. How? L A Galaxy, is, LA one Galaxy sure. is one for sure. L A Galaxy is
1: one for sure. That's going to be. I know good. that's going to be one. That's I'm going to say the Houston Dynamo.
0: bone. You are right on that. All right. That's good. And then that's probably where Do I'm going to you know end. The crew. Which, the crew only have the one. Crew only have the one. Do you know which team Houston used to be back in the day? Dallas FC. No. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Dallas is still a TK. (laughs) I don't know, know, man. That's not fair because this team is also still a team, but this is one of those Browns-Ravens situations. San Jose. No, San Jose is here now, and they were gone for a while, but the old San Jose, which they've retained the rights to, the Quakes, that San Jose team won a couple titles, and then they left and became Houston, and then they've won multiple titles so I don't know if you count those all for Houston. I don't think so. I think that goes to San Jose. Anyway, Kansas City, the other one, and D.C. United. All right. There you go. D.C. United is like the Michigan of MLS, where they won all their titles back in the formative days when no one was wearing face masks. And now they still count them. And they do count. Pre-World like, War II. Right. The, <laughs> what's sad, though, is that that is like post-Eddie George era sure. of like actual life. But in MLS terms, it feels like it might as well have been before you know the 1800s right <laughs> when that was. but yes, they won a bunch of titles back in the '90s. so there you go. Um, I did pretty well on that. I did better than I better than I expected. you did. you did really well. Columbus in 2020, I'm going to say, do let me ask this question, okay we always want Columbus to win an MLS Cup. Yes. however, hosting MLS cup is part of the gig now mm-hmm. like they did in 2015, and then sadly we'll just leave it there. Illegal back pass and a ball <laughs> that was out of bounds. I'm still not bitter about it. No, Don't no worry. no one is. No one is. Um, would it be better for the crew to win MLS Cup in 2020? Or, now it's the last year of Moffray Stadium. Or, you have the new stadium opening, theoretically, in summer of 2021, fingers crossed. What if you open it in 2021 and then host MLS Cup and then win MLS Cup in its first four months of existence?
1: Well, I think that would be... Obviously, listen, anytime I think you hoist the trophy is going to be great for the team, but I think for what this team is trying to do in the city and really try and rekindle the love of of a fan base here in this town and get new faces into the stadium, I think it would probably be best for the actual organization to host the cup when they have their brand new stadium built because I feel like that way you will invigorate a lot more people to go and go to the stadium in the following years and just have the awareness that, yeah, this team is also in the city. You can also do this. But on the flip side of that, it would be pretty damn cool one last ride at Montfrey Stadium, and then also you would say, hey, you know this team that just won MLS like we hosted MLS Cup, and we won it on our home field? Well, guess what? We're opening up a way better Mm -hmm. facility. Why don't you come and check the team out next year? Both sides, I feel like, have their upside. I don't think they really – none of it has any downside because it would be winning a title. So I think I would more actually – I've explained to myself now, I think it would actually be better – to host it at Moffray Stadium, Old Crew Stadium, and give that old bag of bones just exactly what it needs and the send-off it deserves. Yeah,
0: that's what I would love to see is one more time at Moffray Stadium because I would like to see a generation of people who haven't gotten to really... Well, I mean, 2015 happened, but maybe people... You know how this goes, right? Like, there are people who are now more into the crew than they were even in 2015 where that was, like, their first experience. They kind of watched it on TV, saved the crew, brought people in. Mm -hmm. I I think... One more time at Mofre Stadium would be epic. And then you go back to back. That's how I'm drawing it up. You go of back course, to back yes. and then you get it again in the Once new stadium. Once we sign sick and Messi, we'll be all good. <laughs> yeah, actually coming up in the uh, bean bag, the bone and bean bag. I can't, <laughs> I can't, even, take you, I can't even take you
1: seriously when you I say that. I can't say that. It
0: it's so fun. Uh, we have a question about Chris, Christian Pulisic. I'm excited about it. Um, all right. So let's talk about a guy who's leaving MLS real quick, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Here's his mm-hmm. quote. He is uh, onward and upward from L.A. Galaxy. He said, I came, I saw, I conquered. Thank you, L.A. Galaxy, for making me feel alive again. To the Galaxy fans, you wanted Zlatan, you are welcome. The story continues. Now go back to watch baseball. End quote.
1: (laughs) I mean, when this guy came over to MLS, I feel like you understood what he was. He is maybe the most arrogant, most cocky, most brash person on the entire planet, and this was what you were getting. And that's not to say that he has done this just because he's come over to MLS. He did this at every single stop that he was at, and you did for the most part. You got Slotin, you got him. And was it was was he the same player that he was three years ago? Probably not. But still, he had some jaw-dropping moments. For the he LA did. Galaxy. He and did. especially in his debut, he scores the hat trick and like the what was it? He like sixty some minutes, he scores three goals and he's like, Yep, I'm here, basically. And some of the battles he had with Vela this year, like I think that Zlatan Ibrahimovic had a very positive impact on MLS, even though it's only a short time, because of the cockiness and the brashness that he brought and the pizzazz and everything. And Listen, maybe you're only going to see Zlatan. That's fine. You're still getting out to MLS. And then maybe you're like, hey, who's this other player that they have? Who are these other guys? Maybe I'm going to come back. And so right. if you just go there or you're watching a game because of Zlatan and then you fall in love with the team or the game even more, I'm cool with that.
0: Yeah, I think to your point, because I I have kind of been on the, the point still, and I feel like this is true, that guys like Zlatan Ibrahimovic are still ultimately not – in the biggest of big pictures, not the best thing for MLS. In the short term, yes. Sure. Short term for I'm sure. I'm with you on that. And that's right because like in the short term, you're exactly right that you come out there, you go for Zlatan, but perhaps like to use a crew example, you see a Connor Maloney play. A guy you would never put on a ticket stub to be like or on a on a billboard to say, Come watch Connor Maloney. Yeah. But then you watch him play, you watch him fight for ninety minutes an undersized guy like him, and you say, this is cool, man, I I like that guy too. Oh, cool, I like this other guy that plays for my team. And you start developing those connections. But the bigger problem is if you have Zlatan in MLS, MLS gets the reinforcement that it's still a retirement league. Yeah. Even though he came in and played well, he had some of the most brilliant goals I've ever seen him score anywhere, not just in, in MLS. I'm saying in his career he had some of his best goals here. But also just it's that idea that, you are saying, yeah, we get them after Europe's done with them. Sure. Never mind. We get, them fact, while, we get them while they're washed up. Never mind. He's going back to AC Milan, potentially. That's the big, that's where he wants to go, and they seem to be open to bringing him in, not nearly for the fees he would have, you know, attained previously. Sure. And he says he wants to be a featured part of the club, and they seem to be okay with that. So we'll see. I mean, I, I, I still feel like it's ultimately bad, but the paradox is, like, I would kill to have a guy like that on my team. <laughs> Of course you I mean would. I would love to have him on my team. And I I mean we had Guillermo on this team and I can't fathom having like a guy like Zlatan which much as I love Guillermo Zlatan is even more talent. What what was his
1: final goal tally in MLS? 50 50 plus goals. I know that I I he scored somewhere around there. Yeah, he what never scored 29 <laughs> 29 this year, and then maybe 30 the year before, so maybe
0: even close to 60 goals. I don't think he ever won. He didn't win the Golden Boot either in no. the years. Um, but, yeah, he had to be up there and, and scored a lot of goals. He was a lot of fun, sold a lot of tickets, and sold listen, a lot of jerseys.
1: The way that he plays, he's not going to have to be tracking back on defense. You know that. Like He, no. is, He for the most part, is only going to come across the midfield line to get onside when a team is attacking. And that's it, and that's all he's going to do, and he's going to run 50 yards, and it's going to be great. But he is going to stand there in the middle of the field, and he's not going to try to supply anything. He is going to be your epitome of a target man, and that's exactly what he's going to do, and that's what he's going to bring. He will not try to track down anybody. He will not try to get on the end of passes if, they're, if they look like they're over his head. Nothing like that. If they're not near him, he's not going to try no. to get on it, but you knew that coming in because in his last 2 years at Manchester United, that's who he was too. And so it's like it's not that he had this giant dip off from when he was playing with Manchester United. Right. He got hurt, he probably lost a half a step. They're like, "Hey, you know, maybe MLS will be good for you." And I think I think his tenure
0: was pretty damn good for what we perceived him to be at the time of moving to MLS. It is crazy though because like the David Beckham thing when he came over, I mean, I went to Crew games. I was already attending crew games when he came in, and then I got to see the the way it would go from like however many thousand people would be there for a normal game, yeah. and then instant sellout Sold when out, David yeah. Beckham was coming in, and half the shirts there were Galaxy shirts, which was annoying as hell. But then like this year's Latin came here. It took the girls to watch it. I actually taught them like we boo this guy here with the ponytail. Yeah. It's you know the biggest guy out there. We're gonna boo him, and they did. They loved it. every time we touched the ball. We were booing. It was fun. But, I mean, still, like, it was interesting that it was not a sellout. It was not nearly the fanfare. And certainly you can argue not the cultural phenomenon because Beckham was just on a different level. Yeah. But as far as the player goes, I mean, a much better player than David Beckham at this point in his career. Absolutely. And in his entirety of his career. And yet I think we can acknowledge that Zlatan does not always sell the tickets quite the same way that it used to be. And these these players do not sell tickets the same way they used to for whatever reason. Uh, Speaking of those types of players, Thierry Henry was one of them who came to MLS later in his career. He has now been named the head coach, the manager for Montreal, Le Impact. So good for uh, Montreal. They're bringing in Thierry Henry. I have to believe that would be a big hit there. You, Brandon Beam, have Mm -hmm. a few months to get all your Thierry Henry SPAC talk worked up. Because last year, you were involved in the firing of an MLS manager. I'm almost positive of it.
1: Yeah. So last year, went to the game where Brad Friedel was the coach. And we sat probably, I don't know, eight eight rows up maybe. Yeah, you eight were right row- down we, we were pretty eight, low. eight rows up from the bench. And Brad Friedel, the entire time, I got like two or three people with me. And we were just chirping him the whole game. We were yelling at him. We were screaming at him. And then like two weeks later, he was fired as head coach. So my goal is is to have Thierry Henry's tenure at Montreal be much shorter than it was at AS Monaco. That is my goal That'd is be for interesting. that to happen. And then whenever the crew put them on the schedule, when that game gets played at Crew Stadium, I will go, I will yell things at Thierry Henry to try to get him fired.
0: Yeah, I think that'll be fun. Um, Thierry Henry, though, I will say in his defense, a, a, a strikingly nice human. we met him. I met him one time and I worked with Massive Report, the crew blog, Many years ago, when he was playing for New York, he came here, and me, the editor, and one of the other writers got to go down and interview him after the game, and he was speaking to another reporter. I want to say it was in Spanish. Okay. I mean, because he obviously speaks Spanish as well as French, I think it was in Spanish because I, I think it was to an MLS outlet that was a Spanish outlet, but either way, spoken in another language was completely nice and, and like eloquent in that language, and then looked at us and said, oh, I'm so sorry. Are you guys okay to wait? I apologize. Isn't that amazing so when on. that happens? I'm like, what are we talking about? Like, he was super nice, answered our questions, just couldn't be friendlier. So, yeah, very cool. And I only bring that story up to basically mention I met Thierry Henry. And how can you not want to mention that?
1: Is that one of the coolest people in the soccer world that you've ever met? Because you have to realize that Thierry Henry is, I mean, a global icon. It's well, not that like he's it. MLS icon or... Premier League icon, like he is one of the best players in the
0: entirety in the history of the game. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think it's – like we think of celebrities here like Tom Brady. Sure. You know, Tom Brady goes yeah. walking around in Columbus. People are going to recognize him. But even there, I don't know how many, like – how many, like, at Easton. Is he going to get mobbed at Easton? Probably. But there's also a level of people would say, ah, "I," you know, quick photo. Or they'd point. I don't know how many people would mob him. Maybe he would get mobbed. What do you think? Tom Brady gets mobbed. He's walking around at Easton. No, I don't think. I mean, yeah, there will be people, people coming would up to him. him. Yes. They would come up to him, but they wouldn't get mobbed. Thierry, he's walking. Henry, Thierry
1: Henry could walk down High Street on the busiest night of the year and be stopped by like two people, probably
0: right here. But if he is in any other part of the world, mobbed, 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 like, mobbed. not like people passing out when they see him. Yes, it's including me. Level. Yes, right. I That's mean, what I've
1: always said. I if if you were to tell me like what professional sport could you play. And you know, because I have all these conversations all the time, because I got a lot of time at the radio station to have he-haw <laughs> conversations, and you know, we play this game a lot. Like, if you could be any kind of professional athlete, what would you be? People are like, oh yeah, you know, I'd be LeBron James or I'd be David Beckham. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't want to be that person at all. Like, the best thing that I can think of is like, give me Jason Duffner or Martin Keimer. Like, those guys probably have twenty to twenty five million in the bank account, and they don't. They aren't noticed at all. Jason, even Jason Day, Jason Day could walk down high street and nobody could notice him. Yeah. And to me, that's the life. Being able to do your thing, have all the happiness in the world and say, ah, nobody's going to recognize me. So that's pretty cool. I, the one off that
0: does. Cool. I'm glad I could make your day for you seeing me. I still think that's the appeal somewhat of MLS. Come here, play, be successful. Sure. Be on Go on SportsCenter like Zlatan was on Sports Center whenever he wanted to be. You can still be famous in that way. But you can, there are still pockets where you can go out and it's not going to be like it is almost anywhere else for you, anywhere else in the world. So I still think that's a selling point for Major League Soccer. That would be great for me.
1: I mean, I'm, obviously, like, if you're the Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi type, it's going to be different, different everywhere yeah. you go because you are on the next level yes. of stardom. But I guarantee you, when Wayne Rooney, right, megastar, megastar, could go walk into D.C., walk around, not be bothered basically by anyone. You know, yeah, because I think that, you would, you're right. It's one of the biggest cities in our country, and could yeah. just walk around and be be totally fine. I think that if you've gone through a whole career, and this goes back to the whole retirement league, right? But I think that if you have an entire career where everything you do is criticized, like from what cars you're showing up to in training, and like, oh, well, you were out with this person for dinner. Like, what were you talking about? <laughs> like, you can go out and just eh. It's fine. Don't even worry about right. it. Unless, like, the sun has someone over here with a camera and then putting putting you on the front page of their newspaper.
0: Look at Wayne Rooney. His his wife had the drama this sure. year with Jamie Vardy's wife, and guess where that all happened? Not here. It happened in England.
1: Exactly. That
0: all happened over there. It happened online, technically, but it was all involving the English side of his football career, not the U.S. side of his soccer career. You know why? Because we don't care. As long as you put out on the on the – on the field,
1: yeah. I feel like yeah. we, as a, as a society, you're like, yeah, okay. I'll turn a blind eye to your discretions,
0: whatever. Yeah, that's a good, bad, or otherwise. That is the U.S. Speaking of Arsenal, see how we're just like transitioning from like legend in MLS to another legend, and yeah. now we smoothly transition again to Arsenal. Uh, Unai Emery gets the vote of confidence from the Arsenal brass. The head of football, Raul Sinelli, told staff they believe in guy, the manager, Raul Sanelli. Yeah. Did I get it right? Son Son Lehi? maybe? I don't know. All right. He's just your guy. He is my guy. Um, So he told the staff of uh, over 200 Arsenal staffers gathered at the Emirates. They believe in him. Uh, They've already seen a stretch this year of one win in six Premier League games, Mm. eight points behind Manchester City in fourth, which also that's its own little headline, Manchester City in fourth. I know. (laughs) I enjoy hearing that. Nine back of Leicester in second. Again, another wonderful headline. It's early, but that's cool. And Leicester, of course, beat them this weekend. Uh, So your thoughts on... uh, You Emery.
1: Yeah, so anytime you replace a legend, it's going to be tough, I feel like, right? Because I know that Arsene Wenger, and listen, I I think that Arsenal fans rightfully had the claim to say, listen, we need Arsene Wenger to, to go out because we are Arsenal and we should be better than what we are. And listen, anytime that you go through this where you are going to be replacing a legendary manager with someone else, you kind of go into this uncharted Waters where your team hasn't been in many, many years. Listen, I I like Manchester United, all right? So I've been through this about six times since Sir Alex Ferguson has left. And so you have to understand when you get to a point, like Unai Emery, and they're sitting in fifth place right now, they are basically bucket full of points behind Manchester City in fourth, where that's where the joke used to be about Arsene Wenger. It's like, ah, just get fourth place and you're all good and go to Champions League and crash and burn in the round of 16 and then we'll just do it all again next year. (laughs) Like, you have to understand that when you're replacing a guy like that, it comes with a lot of pressure, and you don't have nearly the amount of time to, to, to do what he's doing. And so if you need to buy players or something like that, like, you're on the clock now. Like, as soon as your foot the stadium and you're there for your first day, you are already kind of on the shot clock about what fans perceive of you and everything like that. And then you had the whole thing with Kolasinac earlier and the captain's armband and, like, you know, Granite Shaka, and, like, all this all this stuff. Like, yeah, the people with Kolasinac and Urzil, like, attacking them and not playing him. And, yeah, it's just been kind of a nightmare little run here for Arsenal. And so that's what I'm saying. I understand the board of directors giving their fans something to say like, hey, we aren't going to fire him. Please stop saying that to us because we do believe in his tactics. And, you know, I know we're going through a little bit of a rough patch right now, but it's kind of starting to work itself out. And I'm sure, you know, they have the talent on that team. I think they'll be fine. I don't know if they'll end up top four, but, you know, it's a better story that they're not right now with Sheffield United right there too. And Leicester, and like every everybody who's, who's in contention in the Premier League. But I think we've gotten down such a far path. And especially, I know you and I were talking about this before we did the podcast, that You know, Like Manchester United and Arsenal were really the last two to hold out on their living legends and their coaches. And so when you have two guys like that, you have set a precedent for your club that we are going to stick with a manager through and through. Like this is going to be the way that we do this, and we're not going to be like Leicester, and after we win the title, we're not going to fire someone. We're not going to do that. We're not going to Claudio Ranieri you. And so, all these other teams in the Premier League have adopted that method. Like, hey, you lose six games in a row, you're out. You're done. And I feel like that, for the majority, is really the world of European soccer. Where, hey, if you don't get it done right away, you're gone. And so, Arsenal, I feel like Unai Emery maybe hasn't gotten the best out of his team yet. I feel like he is a great manager, but... I mean, who am I to say? But I think it's probably good for him. It's good for the players. It's good for the fan base to know, at least until the end of the year, this guy is not going to be under fire.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. And it's very interesting because, yeah, like you said, Manchester United and Arsenal are the last two, I think, that have had their manager be someone that, you know, was there forever. And now everyone else has kind of jumped into the fray. For many years in the Premier League, it's been you can't get it done in 18 months, if you can't get it done in eight months, if you can't get it done in eight weeks, sometimes you're not the guy. And they are now dealing with that. And it's interesting to watch Arsenal, because Manchester United even has already crossed that. They, oh, yeah. they fired yeah, they've, they've, they've jumped they, into the pool. They're, they're in. They get it. They're not going back to the old way. I think Arsenal is still technically in the position where, because if you're going to give someone a chance to be Arsene Wenger, well, don't you have to let them work like you let Arsene Wenger work? Sure. Like, if you're going to have the next guy be there for 18, 20 years, whatever, doesn't he deserve a few years to kind of get it going? And you're right. You're now in this era where the the clock is ticking the moment you sign your name to the document. There's saying, just so much more money involved now yeah. where you can't have results like But everybody having. would love to have a 20-year head coach of who's course. able to win you championships, a, a, a guy who can, you know, in Manchester United's case, get knighted because he's, you know, so talented at what he does. That's a thing that you're not going to see typically because the second you get just even a waiver of, oh, wait, we don't like this guy anymore, he's got to go. And that's the way it works for the players too. You don't have a nucleus of players who stick around for seven, eight years like you did on those Manchester United teams or even like the three or four year, five years like you did with the Arsenal oh, unbeatable. Yeah, they're, they're all like, gone. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's every couple years. And it's not even that your team doesn't want to keep them. It's that guys say, yeah, I played for Arsenal. Great. I want to go play for... Chelsea you know, now. Chelsea, Real yeah. Madrid. I Whatever. Want to, I, I want to go back to Italy if they're from Italy or if they've played in Italy before. Whatever. There's just all kinds of different reasons why guys move. It doesn't have to do with, I want to come to Arsenal and help that club be the best ever. You see it in the NBA. You see... How many times are you going to see like a nucleus of players like the Celtics or the Bulls had or the Pistons had back Never. in the eighties and nineties? The Lake Show, the, yeah. That era is gone. You're going to have guys. If you're lucky, the Warriors got five years out of their nucleus, mm-hmm. and if you count the Durant years, they got like two and a half. Right. Before Kevin Durant and Draymond Green are in the locker room, and Draymond Green is calling him a bitch, like in the locker room. Yeah. That took two years for that to happen. That's not happening any. That's. That's the league you're in now, and that's what everybody has to deal with in the world of sports, not just in soccer.
1: So basically, with Air Brass coming out and saying that he's going to be our man until the end of the year, he will be fired before he'll be, Christmas. Of course. He, he'll be, it'll yeah, be gone. He's gone, of course.
0: <laughs> Dreaded vote of confidence never works out. No. Um, I'm going to give you some time here for Marcus Rashford because we were talking about how he, for you, is just one of the most maddening players in the world.
1: Yeah, so I think this is a double-edged sword here because if you watch him play, The way that he moves is really unbelievable. You know, he moves the way that Killian Mbappe moves, where when he has the ball at his feet, you're like, oh, my God, this guy is one of the best players in the world. And, you know, the free kick goal that he scored a couple of weeks ago, you know, it it has hints of Cristiano Ronaldo in it, and he's got hints hints of Wayne Rooney in him. And there's just something about his game where you look and you say, If you continue at this level, he is going to be one of the best players in the world for a long, long time. I think he's only 21 years old, obviously still growing and still learning the game and fitting into the system that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is trying to bring. But he is one of the most maddening players in the world to me because it's a thing now for Marcus Rashford because he will score an 11 out of 10 difficulty goal where he has no business making the shot and he does something ridiculous, he makes a crazy run, and he puts the ball into the back of the net. And you're like, oh my God, do that. But then on the other hand, he also doesn't seem like he can make anything when he's right in front of goal. Like if he's right. one-on-one with the goalkeeper, or if he has a wide open net, it doesn't seem that he can put anything he can't put him in. And so that's becoming a thing I feel like with Marcus Rashford where, you know, you're starting you're not even starting. You are relying on him for a bulk of your goals for Manchester United. Him and Anthony Martial, you're relying on those guys for a lot of goals now for that team. And so you look at him, you're like, "Yeah, you can sco- score these world-class goals, but when it's the easiest, simplest finish or it's a penalty, you know, something has gotten into his head. I don't know what it is." The fact that he can't finish when he's right in front of the goal mouth. And on one hand, he's one of the most brilliant players I've watched in a long time. You know, coming up out of the youth system, you have something to cheer for and he's great. He's gonna be the face of England soccer and the face of Manchester United, I hope for a long, long time. But then on the other hand, you have this guy who's like, I, I can't I can't finish inside of the eighteen. Like I just I can't do it when it's a one on one against the goalkeeper and it's so frustrating and I don't know what the problem is.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's hard to say, man, and and it's a thing where you see it with players all over the world. Jossi Zardes, it happened to him this season. Yeah, where last year he he almost it wasn't that he couldn't miss. He missed plenty of times last year too, but finished a lot more chances. And and we even talked about in the playoffs last you know last year in 2018 when they played the Red Bulls and that he had that pass that came across. It was from the uh, Federico Higuain back heel into the box. And Zardes did a very simple thing, but he just let the ball roll in front of him as opposed to trying to just, the second it got anywhere near him, try to hit it with his left foot, let it roll right across and takes that extra step, lets it roll to his right foot, blast it home. And it was just a timing thing that allowed him to have that extra, it's like a stutter step, yeah. more or less. Like, you know, it just threw the timing off the goalie, and It was, a, and he hit it well. That calmness and that patience in front of the goal looked like completely non-existent this year. Up until, I think, like the FC Cincy game where suddenly mm-hmm. it just broke open and he yep. looked good again against a very terrible defense, it should be noted. But you're right, like you see guys, and obviously the goals he scored, it doesn't really compare to some of the brilliance you've seen from Rashford. I mean, that guy is just on a ridiculous level in his moment. But then the fact that you have trouble with penalty kicks, the fact you have trouble with some of the simple stuff, it's it's ridiculous. It's hard because you know the skills there. You know course, what the talent. Yeah, of course it is. And it's, it's uh, I can't. I don't envy you being a fan of this team and trying to make sense of it because it doesn't make Uh, sense. They
1: suck. I told you that when we did our season preview show. They won't. They won't compete for top six. There's no way. They're they're not a good team.
0: Yeah, that's too bad for you.
1: That's fine. You know what? I've had my fun. Manchester
0: United has never had any really good years. So it's it's fine. It's It's
1: fine. Yeah. It's it's fine. (laughs) I've accepted it. It's good. I don't get upset about it anymore. So it's actually kind of calming in that
0: in that way. Uh, we told you last week that Darlington Nagby was coming to the crew, and that that was pretty much a done deal. They just couldn't announce it yet. Well, yesterday they did announce that, or I'm sorry, on Wednesday they announced that of this past week,
1: which we're recording on Thursday. So if yes, you had been able to tell was yesterday,
0: <laughs> right? Uh, so I, something that came of this, um, and we'll talk a little bit more in the uh, bone and Beam bag coming up. Mm-hmm. But Darlington Nagby, there were I saw some t- crew fans saying, "Why didn't this get more coverage on like the local news?" Why doesn't this hit more coverage when the crew? This is one of the biggest signings they've ever made in their history. Yeah, one of the one biggest, of the biggest MLS signings. One of the biggest yeah. trades. Yes, a ton of allocation money going the other way. Tam and Gam big big implications for this, and we broke it down a little bit last week. Um, but there were people asking, "Well, where was the coverage on this?" And I've spoken about this before, but I'll give you this analogy. You tell me if you agree with this. Um, these media companies here in town and all across the country are going through this transition where. But but here specifically, let's talk about in Columbus. The appetite here is always going to be first and foremost for Ohio State stuff, yeah. for Ohio State football. It's true. Unfortunately, yesterday, when this all came down, right before they made these announcements about Darlington Nagby and had their big social media push and their email blasts and everything, we got the Chase Young is not suspended anymore. Mm-hmm. Or, well, has the two games we thought he was going to get is it an Ohio State star player gets a big announcement made about his playing future. That of course is going to lead all the local sports news. I don't know why people get so worked up about like four minutes on 10 TV on a six o'clock newscast. You know what I'm saying? Sure. I do think it's unfortunate sometimes that you don't see the same level of coverage for Ohio State as you do for other things. Or I see for other things as you do Ohio State in this city. But, I was talking with a friend of mine, AJ, about this not too long ago, and I brought up the fact that like if you go to McDonald's someday, that McDonald's is never going to not have cheeseburgers. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, they're always going to have cheeseburgers. Their Even... ice
1: cream machine may be broken.
0: That that is true. Yes, and and there may come a point where like a new generation of fast food goers are going to go to McDonald's and say, we want salads salads are what's big. We love salad. We eat healthy. We don't eat these greasy burgers. We want salads. McDonald's is going to say, well, we'll try salads, but we've done those before. They didn't really work. And it's like, yeah, but you did them 20 years ago and you put them in a stupid cup and you had a sugar and it was weird. We want real quality salads. And someday maybe McDonald's might even get good at the salads, but you're always going to go back to McDonald's for the burgers. That's what McDonald's does. That's what they know how to do. That's always going to be their identity. A lot of these media companies... The people who work there, they're like, well, we make burger. That's The Buckeyes are the burger. Like yeah. That's the thing that they are. They know if they keep pumping those out, they're going to have people come in. So it takes a risk to say, hey, McDonald's, now we do salads. 50% of our menu is salads. That's going to take some time for them to get to that point. And that's what you're seeing here is there are younger people working in the media who do pay attention to soccer. There are generations of people coming up who do want to know more about soccer, about hockey, about whatever other coverage you want. And I think these organizations do a decent job at trying, but you're never going to have it until you have people like me and Beam who watch soccer and love this game and we care about it. I can tell you why Darlington Nagby's is going to be an improvement over our tour. Sure. How many other people in the media in this city? I'm not trying to puff out our chest. I'm talking reality here. How many people in the local media are gonna be able to say, oh yeah, uh who's a better number eight? Artur or Darlington Nagby? You'd have to there's a whole list of definitions you have to give them before they can even get into that discussion. Right. So just keep that in mind when we talk about why don't these things occur. Well, that's that's partially why. And listen, I host a show called The Buckeye Show. All right? right. We we do yes. che- we, we serve we love, cheeseburgers. Yeah, we, love, we love the Buckeyes. There's we nothing serve wrong with
1: cheeseburgers that. Cheeseburgers from six to eight every single yes. night on the fan right. that's yeah. what we do we do burgers and then I come in here and we start we start talking about
0: ice creams and milkshakes and salads and i I thoroughly enjoy it yes yes and eventually my hope is that enough people get to the to take this analogy completely off the rails get to the the fro the shakes and the salads and all the other stuff we do over here and I'm talking about with our podcast like yeah, uh, you know, Timmy Hall's doing a college basketball podcast with uh, Colin Beringer, Evil Bald Colin. If enough people go to that and you get thousands upon thousands to listen to that podcast every week, well, that's going to become its own thing. And then maybe they can do that twice a week or three times a week or every day. And maybe that becomes a thing that's actually more a part of our programming. Same with this show. Same with anything. The more audience we generate, the more they're going to want us to do it. So the simple answer, I hate to say it, is if you want more coverage of the thing you like, Show up and and do as much as you can to support it. And I know the diehards do. It's the thing of converting everybody else who isn't a diehard sure. into a fan. All right. Uh bone and beanbag, and then we gotta get out of here. Mike Cornell tweeted in, said, Why is Spurs trash can emoji? That's his tweet.
1: I think that they're trash can emoji because I think that you've you've reached the line of you've you've reached the end of the line of Mauricio Pachettino. I think that you've milked everything out of him that you possibly can, and I think that two summers ago, when you didn't have any signings, is now coming to to bite you in the butt. You didn't you didn't get your team better two years ago. You tried to make a couple of splash splash signings this year, and with a team with Christian Eriksen and Harry Kane and Youngman's son, like. You should be doing well, but for some reason, they're not. I don't know. They seem to me like a train wreck. They're sitting in 14th in the Premier League right now. I don't think there's any solid answer to why they're underperforming so much, but it really is maddening watching them because you're like, they're one of the most talented teams in in the world. They were just in a Champions League final, and yet
0: they're in 14th in the Premier League now. I just saw a stat that I found to be staggering. Pochettino has rolled out 94 times straight. A roster that does not have the same eleven. Like or at least the same same eleven sure. guys in the same spots. Maybe it's been the same guys, but he's moved positionally. They have not he is not in ninety four straight matches. He has had a different tweak to his starting eleven. Not once have they done the same thing twice, which I just find to be crazy. Hey Patch, stick to burgers. By man. the way. Stick to what works. By the way though, if you win Champions League, people go, that's the way you got to do it now. Sure. If you, But you didn't. You throw your
1: reliever <laughs> in in the first inning, and then you throw your starter out <laughs> right. there for inning number three. Oh, my yeah. God, we're
0: changing the game. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Sage asked, who is the worst team to cheer for, and why is it Arsenal? Uh, he then said, for real, can I get a recommendation on a non-top-six team to start cheering for because I can't be an Arsenal fan anymore? Tottenham. Yeah, well, I was, actually, I was going to go the other way with that and say Sheffield United is not a top-six team technically. Not normally. Sure. They are now, but that's not a team you would call a top-six team. Go root for them for this year.
1: I'm going to tell you right now that you need to cheer for the Shrimpers because <laughs> I'm tell- they're going to go down this year. Oh. They're going to be relegated back down to League Two, but that will make them making the Premier League in
0: 2031 that much better. By the way, uh, so that's a that's a third-division team. The Shrimpers. Yes,
1: South End United. Catch uh, the
0: fever. Of course, my Sunderland United are in the third division. Mm-hmm. And uh, Peterborough United, a.k.a. the Posh, mm-hmm. that is uh, Brother Bone's team. And he is like, Adam, he's starting up like a, a, a fan group here. Good. Like, he is trying to get a watch party together if he can find somewhere to get the game on TV. So there's going to be a lot of third division English English soccer talk if About we're not to be careful. fourth
1: division next year with me. Sorry, buddy. That's okay. That's fine. It's
0: all right. Uh, and then finally, Cody tweeted in and said, "Is Christian Pulisic already the best American to ever play in the Premier League because he scored yet again, another goal this past weekend? Also, what are the chances of a Bone and Beam United Premier League watch party for some early morning stouts and soccer? More on that in a second. Christian Pulisic, I still think Clint Dempsey trumps him now. I do too, but now. that's." Because of the fact that we've seen Clint Dempsey have the career trajectory-wise, Pulisic is on his way to far surpassing what uh, Clint Dempsey did.
1: I think you can you can look at Christian Pulisic right now and say, in two years' time, he will be the best American to ever play in Europe. I I, tr- I truly believe that, and I think it's awesome that this has become a self fulfilling self fulfilling prophecy, right? because you tab this kid as the Wunderkid, right? And the wonder, kid, right? mm. and well, the I'm, wonder kid I'm the only all, one. All, yes. No, one else no, thought no, no. Was I'm, say, be I'm saying every. <laughs> we all said this. And so the fact he's actually out there doing it now, and we saw him do it with Dortmund, and now he's over at Chelsea in the Premier League doing it, and he's not doing it, and this is no knock, no knock on Fulham. But he's not doing it there. He's doing it at Chelsea, which is one of the top 15
0: biggest clubs in the entire world. It takes it to a whole different level. It's a different level of pressure. It's a different level of just the scrutiny. He's already been through some trials there with not getting to play for a few matches, and he's come out of that. And now he looks 10 times better than he did at the start of the year. So, yeah, we got a lot going on there with Pulisic. I do think that he could get double-digit goals is not off the table. I know I said 15 early to, you know, before the season started and I still will stick by that, but realistically, even not joking or anything, 10 goals is sure. It's it's, it's in and for him to get that in his first year in the premier league with Chelsea, with a club as big as Chelsea, like that's going to be in the fight they're in. Yeah. That'll be epic. If he can do it Um, as far as the other part of that, what are the chances of getting a bone and beam United premier league watch party for some early morning stouts and soccer? not opposed. I think what we should do, Beam, cuz we're just spitballing this live on the air. Yeah. I think what we should do is find a bar that we like that maybe doesn't already have cuz I hate to horn in on like, oh, here's all these other fans who don't even really maybe care who we are. Sure. They're here to watch their team. Maybe we just set it up for all the like all the all of us that are kind of like, well you're you're a depressed Manchester United fan. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of a team in the third division. You know, we had uh Tyler saying, who's the worst? You know, why is Arsenal the worst team to root for? And maybe can I pick another team? Mike saying, I, why is, like, I want all the depressed Premier League fans, all the sad Premier League fans. I don't want to see someone who's just bubbly and happy. Like, Liverpool fans right now, we don't want to Stick hear from to you. Sick to McClellan's we got and local canteen. You, you got your place. You got your place. You, you, and, and you deserve it, and you should be happy. But you want to be with happy people. Right. The rest of us are all miserable, either because we don't have a team or the teams we do root for suck. Maybe we need to get that group going. And have a have a bar where we go and watch games where it's just like the it's the cynics club. The cynics of soccer. We just sit down and we watch and we're all miserable. We, we yell need to, our teams.
1: We need to talk to our guys at Land Grant about making, a, totally making up a, making us our own Land beer. Land is
0: the place I thought of initially. Going at eight o'clock in the morning on a yep. Saturday Open or up Sunday. Early.
1: Cynics Club stout. Yes. It's gonna be perfect. I love it.
0: All right. We'll we'll talk to our guys over there, we'll see if we can work out. Maybe sometime early next year. Yes, like winter, like early, like January, February is what I think would be a good time. I do too. That would be great. That's, that's where I feel like stouts and cynics and soccer can all get together. Just
1: in time for Manchester United to be top two in the Premier League. After that, <laughs> hey,
0: you man, watch if it happens, I will. I will allow it for you to be happy. See, this nope. is
1: what I leave myself up for so much failure because <laughs> I have hope, and I just told you I'm fine with it, and I've accepted it. And I'm just stupid. As a Browns fan, I don't know anything about that. No.
0: (laughs) I don't know anything about that at all. All right. uh, Next week, we're going to talk to, hopefully, MLS Humanitarian of the Year, Matt Lampson. Join us on the program. uh, And more interviews to follow soon thereafter. Thanks for listening to Bone and Beam United. We'll see you next week. You've been
1: listening to Bone and Beam United.